0: Hello, welcome to Lazada Insider, featuring knowledge that makes a difference. We share trusted insights, forward-looking perspectives, and exclusive
1: expert interviews to keep you ahead of the curve. Hello everyone. As the pandemic disrupts traditional ways of doing business, digital transformations is no longer just about gaining a competitive advantage, but also an imperative to help maintain business continuity and relevance nowadays. Today, we have Shivaji joining us to deep dive into this topic. He leads the Asia Pacific business and Frost and Surivents. Over fifteen years of experience in strategic consulting, providing strategic directions to diverse set of clients across U.S., Latin America, Africa, and Asia. Welcome to our podcast, Shivaji.
0: Thanks. Thanks for having me, Jen.
1: First of all, could you let our audience know more about you and your company?
0: Sure. So I'm Shivaji. I'm the Managing Director Asia-Pacific with Frost & Sullivan. I'm also a partner with the firm. Uh, Frost & Sullivan is a research and consulting firm that helps clients accelerate growth. And our key value proposition is to help our clients grow. Uh, for the last 60 years, actually, the last year was our 60th anniversary, we have been leading the way in helping companies identify, plan and capture growth opportunities around the world. Uh, apart from that, I'm also a writer of business and travel books, and my latest book is The Great Lockdown, which is available worldwide.
1: Cool. Thanks for the introductions. Yes. We know that the progress of digital transformations vary across countries and sectors. Could you first give us a quick overview on where we stand in terms of the digital transformation journey?
0: Yeah, so I think, yes, you are right. Uh, The rate of digital transformation varies a lot by countries and sectors. Uh, But also during the pandemic, a lot of things were turned upside down and many sectors or even countries which were kind of laggards in terms of digital transformation had to ramp up uh, very fast just to keep things going. But right now, of course, the technology sector is one of the most advanced, perhaps, in terms of digital transformation, uh, business and financial services as well. But also we have seen uh, retail catch up uh, very fast, and not just the large players, but also the smaller SMEs, which have had to change themselves just in order to be able to survive during the pandemic. And like I mentioned before, it's not just the wealthier countries like Singapore or Japan or United States or even China to some extent, which is kind of a leader in many ways for digital transformation. But we are seeing even countries in our backyard like. Uh, Indonesia, like uh, even uh, Vietnam, uh, Cambodia, for that matter, in the region, they are catching up real fast because of the new technologies which are available and also the best practices they can adapt to at much lower costs than what it used to be.
1: That is interesting. And let's deep dive into the retail space. We know that many retail businesses have started or been on the journey of digital transformation in the past few years. What are some of the common business questions that they are typically trying to address through digital transformation?
0: Yeah, Yes, for the retail sector, uh, digital transformation has been uh, very important. I mean, there are certain external imperatives for them to transform digitally. Uh, first of all is to expand or extend the reach in terms of customers that they can uh, cater to. So customer reach probably is the number one reason. And especially in the world of digital commerce, uh, digital transformation has made it possible for many small businesses even to reach out to a much wider customer base. There's also the part of customer experience and servicing, and even in certain kinds of products and services, just the fulfillment aspect itself of their products and services. Uh, Digital ways of doing that is often much better cheaper and leaves the customer with much higher satisfaction level. In some cases, we are also seeing regulatory drive, uh, government push, which is helping retailers to go into their digital transformation journey, especially during the pandemic. There were many such initiatives by either government or NGOs to help digitize organizations. So there was this pull factor as well. But we are also seeing sometimes there are buyer requirements, especially in the B2B context of retail. Uh, Sometimes when the buyers are especially large, just to be able to integrate with their procurement systems, service delivery system, product delivery systems, uh, retailers need to have these digital capabilities. And finally, also sustainability. I mean, even for the retail sector, going digital means lesser consumption of resources often. And given the push towards sustainability and the need for this very important part, uh, we are seeing retailers embrace uh, digital technologies. But of course, these are more of the external side. On the internal side also, we see digitization brand bring in greater efficiency, greater collaboration, greater understanding of customers. We have many examples of retailers using digital technologies like big data, machine learning and all to understand more their customers and cater to their needs in a much more effective way. But also what we are seeing now is that there's this big shortage of manpower uh, in the last few months and also the spiking of wages in many markets, which is causing retailers to adopt digital transformation to perhaps reduce their dependence on humans uh, to be able to run their businesses.
1: Thanks for highlighting both external and internal aspects of it. I'm sure a lot of business now acknowledge digital transformations is certainly a journey and it starts with knowing a business current stage of digital maturity. So please help us to understand a bit more about this concept. What is digital maturity and why is it important for us?
0: Yeah, so digital maturity has been defined by many people in different ways. At Frost & Sullivan, we have our own digital transformation maturity framework and the way we define this maturity in terms of digital transformation is to have a quantitative understanding, a quantitative measure of an organization's current state of digitization of front as well as back-end operation and its entire way of working with the entire ecosystem. So this maturity framework, this takes into account both the input the output and the outcome of digitization of key functions across the organization, not just in one particular silo. And we also compare the current maturity of the organization with respect to global best in class performance in their respective sectors. So when you talk about maturity, it's always in relationship to the best of class, because by itself, digital maturity doesn't mean a lot. Uh, for an individual organization and so there are different stages of digital maturity which also have corresponding critical success factors and best practices that one needs to understand and embrace to be on this journey
1: sure i'm very curious could you help us to work us through the different stage of digital maturity and maybe some of the best practices as well
0: mm-hmm. So uh, I mentioned that it's, uh, it's a journey and there are different stages of digital maturity. The way we have uh, developed this maturity index is to look at five stages. So of course the phase one or the first stage is kind of very basic. You are even not aware of digital technologies out there. There is no understanding at a corporate or an organization level of what you need to do. And the most that employees have are their own personal devices with which they use whatever they feel themselves to be doing. So that's the stage one, which we call as the unaware stage of digital maturity. The next stage is more of being a novice. And what happens in this stage is that you have certain limited digital capabilities. And some SMEs, particularly in countries with less developed infrastructure or digital adoption tend to be in this novice phase. And what we see is fragmented and very basic digitization in limited areas and a very siloed approach to digital enablement. The mid-stage, stage three, is something which we call as evolving. And many SMEs, I would say, fall into this evolving phase and what it entails is certain basic digital capabilities but a visible sign of digital roadmap what it means is that at an organization's management level and its strategic level there is a clear understanding of the need to digitize and a roadmap in the next three to five years on how to embark on that journey so you have partial digitization of certain processes certain business functions and certain operational components And also you are steadily investing, steadily developing capabilities into all of these areas. So stage four is where many of the large or more advanced SMEs lie. And that phase is known as the driving phase in our uh, lexicon. So what that means is that you already have an enterprise agenda towards digital transformation. You have connected and digitized various business functions and models. And then you have also automated processes and capabilities, which are driving realization of organizational value. And the final phase, uh, stage five, which is the peak or the best phase to be in, is the leading phase. And many of the global uh, majors are probably in this phase, where you are having a digital centric organization. So the whole principle or the whole value of the organization centers around catering to digital operations and you have all the new best-in-class technologies, AI, cognitive technologies, a lot of automation, self-managed functions, you have real-time capabilities, connected business functions, and also you not just digitize your internal operations, but you also have an influence on your buyers, your suppliers, on how they operate uh, by integrating with your capabilities. So it's programmable, it's controllable functions, and a completely digital business as usual, rather than you know changing things here and there. The business as usual itself is completely digital in this case. So these are the five stages, right from unaware to a mid-stage of evolving, and the leading stage is the final stage of this digital maturity. Now, when you talked about best-in-class practices, of course, what we do and what we recommend is that for each of these uh, modules, we have to first look at what are the different functions in the organization. So you have your finance function, you have your customer relationship, you have your product development function, and you have your marketing functions as well. And for each of these, there are different components. So just to give an example, in finance, you may have the functions related to tax governance. You may have accounts payable, accounts receivable function. Uh, Similarly for marketing, you may have media buying as one of the functions. And what we do is that for each of these functions, we identify the stage one to stage five, the unaware all the way to the leading phase for that particular capability or success factor. Now, stage five, coming back to my example on finance, uh, digital tax governance, uh, stage five would be about having a centralized tax management solution to address your corporate tax requirements, your tax compliance issues, and this is going to be on demand and client-based. So that is what we call as the best practice stage five for digital tax governance. Let's take another example, intelligent accounts payable, accounts receivables optimization. So here at stage five, the best in class or the best practice would be having a dynamic and AI ML enabled finance solution that uses cognitive intelligence capabilities audit and the con dealer performance and other things, providing you cash flow details in real time. And you're also able to drill down and evaluate cash flows and input parameters through this dynamic and real-time dashboard. Now, the last example I would like to give here for a best practice is, say, in terms of marketing, where media planning, media buying is an important function. And the stage five here for digital maturity would be to have a national language processing or a web social screening powered media planning tool that automatically sources audience perspectives from multiple digital sources, provides a real-time visibility into available media, their reach, customer segments to be targeted and all that, and allows all these to be modeled into scenarios for effective media planning. So these are some of the best in class practices according to various functions that could lead to level five in digital maturity.
1: Sure. Thanks for sharing that. After a business know where it sits on the digital maturity continuum, so what is the next step? How can business set the target for themselves? Yeah.
0: So What we always recommend and what companies need to do is that once you look at your digital maturity, you should be able to understand where exactly you are as an organization. And this is not a top-down number, but it's a bottom-up maturity. What it means is that, as I mentioned before, you have to look at all your functions, all your capabilities within functional areas. So you would know that where are the gaps, where you are doing well, which, uh, which are the weak links and so on. So you will have a very good understanding of where you are in terms of your own digital maturity. But when you take an exercise like this, understanding your digital maturity, what you also get to know is what are the best in class practices, what we discussed just before. So you know where you are and you know where the gaps are and what are the best in class. So you have kind of a journey that you can undertake from now till where you aspire to be across different functions, across different areas to bring about a whole of organizational change. Uh, to achieve what you are doing. And most importantly, you have to be able to translate this into tangible outcomes for both the bottom line as well as the top line going forward. So it's not just also looking at the technology, not just also looking at processes, but also the people aspect, the organization's capability aspect, and also how you interact with your ecosystem, whether it be your buyers, whether it be your suppliers, all the way to your regulators. So all of these, you can have action items in a lot of detail, which you can embark on once you have a good understanding of your own digital maturity.
1: Last but not least, do you have any other additional advice to be shared with our Southeast Asia businesses?
0: Yeah. So what I would suggest is that uh, this is this whole journey towards digital maturity is applicable and relevant to all sizes of organizations, all sectors of organizations, and all functions of organizations. So there is no excuse to say that you know I'm a small player, there is no need because the regulators are not asking me to do so, or labor is cheap in our country. So there is no need to give these excuses when you do that because the benefits that we have seen across sectors are substantial enough to embark on this digital transformation journey. And especially I think the pandemic has made it very clear that having such backup plans, having this level of digital maturity is is not just uh, nice to have, but is a must have for not just business continuity, but also for success and competitive advantage going forward. So I would say whether you are a retail organization, SME in Indonesia or Cambodia or Philippines or Singapore, always think about your digital maturity and what's next in this journey for your organization.
1: Cool. That brings us to the end of today's episode. Thanks for joining us today, Shivaji. Thanks for having me
0: here, Jen. This is Azana Insider. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Make sure you click follow and subscribe so you don't miss our latest insights and expert interviews. Thanks again for joining us. Until
1: next time, take care.